My whole world changed in the space of six months. Alrighty guys, today's guest is the founder of Australia's most successful e-commerce startups of all time. Happy Skin Co, a game-changing hair removal handset, having generated over $40 million, my friend, Mr. Dylan Mullen. Ecom is just my vehicle, uh, and, and it really is a good and powerful vehicle, particularly for beginners because- Like why this product, why this niche of e-commerce? Timing was a really key piece and- You're definitely the first person I've talked to who's created huge success because they just visualize it. If, if I have a goal and I really want it, nothing can stop me. How can they really develop a growth-minded way of thinking like you have? It's just about, you know, changing the information you put into your brain because if you start putting enough good information into your brain, you're eventually going to start- Welcome to the Dream Out Loud family, where young entrepreneurs come to learn the tips, tricks, and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life. I'm your host, Morgan T. Nelson, a former carpenter who created financial freedom by the age of 23 and have since spent my time traveling around the world living my dream life, inspiring, educating, and teaching other young people how they can do the same. Each and every week, I'll bring you the most epic guests who are going to share their stories, wisdom, tips and tricks on how they've been able to create a life by design. Here at Dream Out Loud, we're committed to helping inspire and educate you to be able to execute your full potential. Alrighty guys, today's guest is the founder of Australia's most successful e-commerce startups of all time. Happy Skin Co. When it launched in 2018, he took a the, he took the billion dollar laser hair removal industry by storm by releasing an, a game changing at home IPL hair removal handset. And in the first 12 months of trading, they turned over 12 and a half million dollars. Being personally mentored by Gary Vaynerchuk, one of the top entrepreneurs of our generation, where he learned many things, including his systems to building and scaling hyper growth businesses. So please help me welcome the guy who went from working at McDonald's at a young age to now having generated over $40 million, created one of the top e-commerce startups in Australia and is the host of the Life, Money and Love podcast, my friend, Mr. Dylan Mullen. Thank you. What an introduction. Um, one thing I'll clarify. I don't know if I misheard you. It's not, we're not the most successful. We're one of. One of. High smile. We, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of fucking big boys out there, but definitely one of the most successful ones. And as, I don't know how much we'll get into the story, but I'm telling you, as people write the dream e-com success story, we're exactly that. So it's been a pretty wild ride, as you said, from McDonald's, which even now looking back as a much more mature business person and adult, taught me so much about process and business and operations. So yeah, very valuable step in the journey for sure. Well, what I'm curious to get into right away is you're 30 now, you started at 25. Mm. So in the last five years, generated $40 million, um, savage. Savage for anyone, but then also for a quite young person. So I'm curious to know how much has that fast success changed your life so far? Oh, that's a really good fucking question straight off the bat. How much has it changed my life? Look, man, um, I'll tell you the truth. Like my whole world changed in, in, in the space of six months. So as you can imagine, I'll, I'll tell you one, one thing. I've always been, and it's like one of my biggest gifts from, from the universe, from God, who, whatever you want to call it, and obviously it's not a gift. Like there was things in my past and, and clearly patterns that created this like unshakable self-belief and self-worth in myself that I deserved all these things. But even me, someone who doesn't struggle with self-worth, like my body 
my brain because I think a big part of it, I recently found out I have ADHD. So because I had quite a high, IQ, not, not a high IQ as in like a genius, but because I was probably naturally on the smarter side and I had ADHD, my brain from a very young age form, formed this thought process and, uh, and system that it didn't take in information that was, that was only going to cause a negative unless there was something I can do about it, right? So people ruminate on negative thoughts. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. What if this happens? Okay, I didn't do that well in, in, in this you know, business. Maybe this product launch didn't do well or this um, exam didn't go well. Or I had a date and it didn't go well. And people will go back and think and think and think, fuck, I'm not good enough. I fucked that up. All, the, all, the, all, all these thoughts that can spiral and then a bad thought can turn into a bad day, can turn into a bad week and turn into like this whole perception of the world where, where you doubt everything and you don't believe in yourself. My brain did the opposite. So I always look for the lesson I can take in mistakes and problems and things that go wrong, but I never ruminate. My brain has this like, do not fucking think list, this this. I won't let my brain from a very young, very young age has not allowed me to, to ruminate on these negative things that would only drag me down. I th obviously, it's a self-protection mechanism and realizing that you have to pair that with self-awareness to make sure you're still learning and growing and open to change. But I think that's um, a big part of why I've been able to have this self-belief. But even me, even me, as I mentioned before, when you're on my podcast, I, I did acting for five years after I got all, you know, disenfranchised by the whole university experience, I thought, what's the most fucking opposite thing from here? But even then when I was acting, I was going to the auditions, getting callbacks, doing director sessions, getting so close to like these big roles, right? Even me, this kid that because of the way I was raised, I grew up with my mum and my grandparents, I was always like told you can do anything, showered with love and positivity and praise. Even me, because I grew up in, in the suburbs of Southwest Sydney, didn't have a lot of money, didn't know, as I said, didn't know anyone that had taken a different path and built success out of the ordinary way. Um, even me, I had this, I had this little voice in the back of my head that, that really questioned, but are your dreams really going to come true? Like who are you for your dreams to come true? But one of the really remarkable things that happened in the year up that made me so ready for, for that life-changing experience, which you asked about was I got into personal development to self-development. A couple of the biggest things that changed the way I thought as I said before, on, on when you were when I was interviewing you, I binged Gary Vee every day for like two hours. Not that Gary Vee is the B.O. and all. There's so many people who I listen to. But he was my first kind of voice in my head that was telling me all these things that I didn't hear in my normal life growing up in the suburbs of Sydney. But the other thing, and I know a lot of people laugh at this, and it was, it was just like the, 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 you know, starting course of, you know, this whole explanation of visualization and law of attraction but I watched The Secret, like, every, like so many people do, and I realized, holy shit, I'd been subconsciously doing this my entire life, thinking about my goals, but I was just, I thought it was daydreaming, but I was really, all I would daydream about was my goals, what I wanted to happen, and little did, little, like, the more I looked back and, and re reflected, they fucking came true all the time. Mm. So that was happening in that period, and thank God it did, because things changed so quickly. It's like, man, where do you go from that? I'm like this kid, and like, from, from Western Sydney, I, I, grew up, I was living, still living with my parents. I was working this job I, I didn't like. My whole goal, we launched in April 2018, so I was 24 years old. My whole goal for the end of that year was to be able to quit my job. Our business was so successful so quickly, two weeks in I had to put in my, my resignation. Two weeks after we launched. So then I did my four weeks notice period because they wouldn't let me out of that, but why would they? And then six weeks after we launched, I'm you know, sitting with George, we're like, okay, fuck, what do we do now? And luckily, we 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 we. Had you remember how much you made in the first six weeks? 
Um, I know it was only three in the in a, in between month three and four that we made a million dollars. So cumulative, your total. Fucking hell. Yeah. So in the first like three four months we made a million dollars. So the day the day we launched we made one sale. So two hundred fifty bucks, whatever. Yeah. The second day we had no sales, but the third day we had our first influencer post. And as a guy who was probably earning about a thousand dollars a week, maybe a little bit more, but by the time I was taxed, it's probably even a bit less. We made five and a half grand between seven thirty and midnight. By the time I waited, mate, and woke up the next day, that was like seven and a half grand. And then we just fucking went hard with influencers, and we probably made. We sold out. We're selling them for two hundred fifty each. We sold a hundred units out in the first week. So like, we probably made like definitely made six figures in the first month. That is wild. So there's a saying that fast success builds ego, and slow success builds character. Did you go through any types of internal battles or any sort of making all this money and go down the avenue of having to buy all the stupid shit? Or did you have any of that happen? Any sort of ego come up in the way that you had to overcome? For a very brief period, but not not to the extent that, you know, that most e-com guys, when they make a bit of money, go to. Like, we bought, we bought nice cars three months in, um, but, like, they weren't, like, fucking $200,000 cars. They are like, $80,000 cars. So we bought cars... And then there was probably this one month period where, you know, we're going shopping, buying Gucci shirts, Burberry, Louis Vuitton shoes, all this shit. And then I realized pretty quickly because I'm not, I'm really not a um, material guy. And we're like, this shit's fucking ugly. This isn't not even what I would wear anyway. So it's like, I stopped that pretty soon because I just thought it was stupid. And I caught myself following the trend of what other people are doing and doing things because that's what you do when you make money. Then I realized, nah, this ain't me. So only for a short, short amount of time, but in terms of like fast success builds ego, I believed, even though I did have that little voice that I was telling you about a little bit of doubt, I believed from, from the day I was born that I was meant to do something special. And, and, and I don't say that out of ego. I, I say that like sh- fucking everybody should. Mm. Everybody should have this grand vision and dream for your life. I just always knew this, this, this feeling, this sensation in me that I would do something fucking epic, something great. And, and it was never out of ego. It's just truly what I felt. But, had a really good family around me um, who, again, super proud of everything, but they had never gone and done these things. So they were just as blown away with the success um, as I was. But still to this day, I was just, you just saw I was away with my mates. Um, I was away with my mates for my birthday. We did like a little retreat a couple of hours from Sydney. I still have my closest friends, all of my closest friends is the same crew from high school. So it's like, I feel like that has been a big part of like, I never, everyone people is like, oh, like, you should be so proud. Like you haven't changed at all. Like why would I ever change? Like I, I love that I come from Western Sydney that I grew up with those friends. It's like I've tried to dabble and network and hang out with all these people and something about me and I, and I know, don't know if it's related to the ADHD or what, but it's like I just fucking can't handle like, you know, you know like people that aren't authentic and, and faking shit. Like yeah. I can only do what feels good. And I can't fake it. If, if I have a goal and I really want it, nothing can stop me, but I cannot make myself do something I don't want to do. Mm. So talk to us about then um, the process of actually starting this business. Was this the first business you started? Yeah. It, okay, so you, you were – that's fucking pretty wild. First business started, bang. Yeah. So what, talk to us through the process. How did you actually – because I really want the person listening to this going, well, far out, I, I want to create similar success. Mm. What was the process of you actually getting into this business? Like why this product, why this niche of e-commerce, mm. why, why all that and how did it actually start? Yeah, it started a little bit before that. It started, um, so I launched the business with a, with a good mate of mine um, who's since, who, who left early on and has since gone on to build it fucking an, an incredible massive business as well since then. 
Um, but it started, we were both working in a gym together. And we both happened to be, you know, um, acting at the same place. I started a year before, so I was in different classes to him, but I found a friend who I connected with on the same level, who we were both ambitious, both, you know, smart enough. We're not, not geniuses, but smart enough. And I find, and I still, even though I've run businesses by myself, I own businesses by myself and I own businesses uh, in, in partnerships, I prefer the way I work and, and everyone's different. I prefer doing businesses in, in partnerships because there's, there's a number of reasons, but the day, you, as you would know it, some days you don't wake up the most motivated. If you have someone else to keep you accountable, that's a great benefit. Sometimes you'll be able to figure out, you know, the way past an obstacle Sometimes you won't and vice versa. So I've, I felt that finding someone who rounded out my strengths, balanced out my strengths with a different set of skill sets, but still had a really great work ethic uh, and, and a really great attitude for life and, and, and big vision and, and ambition to, to, to make serious change in the life. So I found that was definitely a key part, finding someone to go through that journey with. And then people try and come up with, when they hear about these business ideas and, and, and one thing I'm conscious of, obviously I've got like an e-com training platform where, where I help people and my story is awesome, but it's like my story and, and how quickly things happen for us doesn't happen every time. And, and, and you've got to expect that. But sometimes people try and reinvent the wheel and oh, I have to create this fucking wacky, bizarre product never been seen before, does all these amazing things when it's just really not the case, right? What we did that was so important, all we did was sat back and looked at the market. What brands had been successful coming out of Australia? What sort of products? did they have and, and what sort of problems were they solving? And we looked at, there was a few key brands um, that we identified. So again, I mentioned one high smile uh, and another one was Bondi Sands, two beauty companies, both started by a group of guys or two guys. Um, and what, what did they do? This is the way we identified the type of product we wanted. Bondi Sands, for those who don't know, it's a fake tan. Before, you know, you know, artificial tans, like in a little tube, people used to go to their salon or book someone that'd come over. You would have seen them set up their tent, give them a little spray tan, done. If you wanted a teeth whitening, high smile, you'd have to go to a dentist. If you could create a product that used to be done in this inconvenient way in a salon, clinic setting, anything like that, and you can simplify it and make it a DIY product, like the DIY trend and beauty has since blown up massively, DIY anything, gardening, DIY fucking training, all these things. If you can create a product where it just simplifies the process for people um, and you can find something that's kind of new but isn't like groundbreaking, then you, you stand a really good chance of success. So just looking at the market, modeling what worked, um, spent a bit of time researching beauty because again, when we did our research, we looked at of the companies that were popping off and going viral and, and really creating like massive change in these, these business owners' lives. Most of the time, not always, but most of the time it was beauty. So we're like, do we naturally have an interest or expertise in beauty? Not necessarily, but neither did these guys. So if they could do it, we can do it too. So once we found beauty, there were a couple of random weird ideas in the background before we got onto beauty, vegan dating apps and all the like of that sort of stuff. Um, but probably spent a few weeks researching beauty, just um, searching like trending products and, 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 and looking at ideas. And then one time just an ad popped up for a shave with a light. That's it, a shave with a light. And then it made us realize, fuck, is that like a little laser hair removal thing or like an IPL handset that you can do at home? It wasn't, but then it started us down that and it just took one, one little thing and it, and it, um, filtered on to what would become a fucking, as you said, an eight-figure brand within the first year. It's crazy. Was the, the, the product something that was already created or did you guys actually invent this product? No, so we were really lucky in terms of timing. Timing was a really key piece and I think timing's important. Well, you can create your own timing by knowing what to look for in terms of a good product. Is there enough demand, but is there not too much saturation? So 
it's, it's a, a key piece for anyone getting into e-commerce in identifying what makes a good product and, and knowing what sort of metrics to look at to, is there enough demand, but is there too many people selling it? It's not really going to work out for you. So there's a bit of an art and a science in, in finding that out. It's not as hard as you think, but we nailed it because why we were so lucky, the patents were only registered about six months before we, we, we had launched. So we were one of the first to market. We were the first one to market in Australia to build a brand around like an at-home hair removal handset. But that being said, even beyond that, for probably a couple of years before us, there were brands like Braun, Philips, those sort of ones that you would see in shaver shop, these big electronic companies that would have like an, it's not actually a laser, it's an IPO intense pulse light handset, works in the same way as laser hair removal. They had these on the shelves on the bottom shelf of Shaver Shop for probably a couple of years before we existed. But because no one built a brand around it, put content out around it, worked with influencers, ran ads around it, no one fucking knew. So everyone thought we were the p- people that invented it, but we were just the first people that, you know, put on everyone's radar. So d- talk us through the first couple of months. So you did a million dollars in three months. Mm. How, how did you actually launch this? Like, how did you get your first few sales? Where did that come from? You so said you did an influencer one. Yep. What was it, the combination of? It just actually get us off the ground because so mm-hmm. a lot of people have ideas. Mm. A lot of people have ideas and there's the actual idea to execution and then to make money. So I'm really curious about those first three months. Yeah. So um, for context, we ordered 110 units total. So these are coming from China? Or coming something? from China, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, one sec. 110 units. 10 of them we put aside to send out to influencers because at the time influencer marketing was kind of the new emerging trending thing, still not oversaturated like today. Like if someone's just- Pretty gone now. It's pretty right? gone, yeah. In that way, it's, you've got to be different. You've got to be much more creative. Content creation and storytelling is yes. much more the way you need to look at that and approach it when working with content creators or influencers. But um, so we had 10. We, we sent them out to people, right? Set aside. Um, and then it's kind of hit and miss in the early days with business, right? We, we had a couple after Davey, who was the first one to post that popped off. That might have sold one unit, might have sold two units. Davey, uh, Davey Lloyd, he he okay. was like he was. So our first little pocket of influences, and that's what we really exploited really well. Why we were successful, we wouldn't just you know scattergun approach and w- send one product here, one there, all around because you got limited advertising budget at the start. Yeah. You're much better putting your limited advertising budget into one. Um, concentrated area so people are seeing it over and over again and you're reinforcing that message so once that worked we instantly got as i said seven and a half grand in our bank account I'm like sweet i then literally after he worked so well he was from the bachelor in paradise you know reality tv show i straight away i didn't wait a day a week as soon as that happened the next like i got the contact details of everyone on that show and I sent them either an email if they had it in the Instagram or I sent them a DM. Hey, we just work with Davey. Um, really love to send you a product. Work with you guys too. What are your rates? Let's do something. And probably we, we send that to nearly everyone on the show. We probably ended up working with like 60% of them, 65% of them. Um, are there some, like, ha, what's the do's and don'ts when working with influencers? Because I think that's not, it's not a, a, a new thing, right? Like people are like, oh, I'm going to get in front of someone who's got a big audience. But mm-hmm. how can, from your experience, what are some deals that sort of like some things that you need to look out for? If you're going to give your product to an influencer, what's a good deal look like yeah. and how can you fuck that up? Yeah. Well, like why, why these ones are so successful and what you want to look, look at in terms of if you want ROI on your advertising budget, there's a few things, but the, the reason we are so successful and what people forget about and what starts to dilute massively as you work with bigger and bigger influencers is the connection that these influencers have to their audiences, right? It's all up. They're called influencers for a reason, Right. Now, 
the reason, and again, it's you can't just go out and say, oh, I'm getting, Dylan, you know, said reality TV show, like mm -hmm. celebrities work really well, I'm going to go do that. Things have changed and th there's definitely still going to be good ones, but you want to look with a real connection and relationship to their followers. And the reason these guys were so, so fucking good and so powerful, right, is because if, if let's just say you follow an influencer, a, you know, lifestyle influencer, maybe a diet influencer, whatever, you follow them, they post a few stories every day, you know, making their coffee, sitting at the beach, you see a couple little snippets, maybe they'll do a little post with the fucking product or whatever in a day. Yeah, you like their style, you like what they're about, but you don't, I mean, you, you start to build a connection with them after following them for a while, but compare that to these reality TV stars where people were inviting them into their living rooms four nights a week, watching them yeah. for an hour, uh, talking about relationships and dating and, and, and insecurities and, and vulnerabilities. These people fucking built real emotional connections with them. So when they start talking and sharing about what they're using in their life, what they're doing, people fucking really pay attention. So it's about finding those pockets of, you know, attention that people have. And it's like, if they were on a reality show two years ago, no, realistically, and I've had this conversation with people, like, no one really cares anymore. you got to find while they have it. So I feel like that's a massive one. In terms of influencers as well, there's a couple of things. When, when working with influencers, it's like people think that, oh, my God, this follower needs to have, you know, a million, they need to have a million followers. It's all about how many followers they have. It's really not. Followers is a fucking vanity metric, right? It's all about who's seeing their stuff and how many people are seeing their stuff. So don't look at their following. If you want to do, and this, this is still, this information here is still as relevant today. For one, you want to look at not the influencer themselves, who's following the influencer. The demographics of their, of their audience are 10 times more important than the demographics of the influencer themselves. Let me give you an example of this. Now, from that reality show, we worked with a bunch of them, probably half of them are male, whereas less than 5% of our customers are male. But who's following these guys from the reality TV really? shows? Women. A lot of people will think, okay, that person looks like it might be a beautiful woman. That person's my target market. I'm going to send this product to her because it's perfect. She's the type of person that should be buying and using our products. But then you look at who's following her and, and even more importantly, who's liking and commenting on her stuff. It's all horny guys. It's so nice. it's like, it's much more important who's following them and then it's much more important how much actual engagement they're getting because followers means absolutely nothing. The only thing that matters is who's actually seeing it and engaging with it. So that's a massive ones. And then once you've worked with influencers enough, one of the biggest things that made us be able to scale, scale influencer marketing so well is because you need to have some data on the board, but it's like you need to, to compare your, the value to engagement ratio. So for every dollar you spend, how much likes is that getting you, for an example? So if you're paying someone... $1,000 and they get a on average 1,000 likes um, per, per post, then your ratio is one to one. But if you're paying someone $1,000 and they're getting 5,000 likes on, on posts on average, you'll now have a ratio of five to one. So once you've done that and you've seen, okay, when I pay someone $1,000 and their demographics are this and they're getting about this many likes per post, I know by looking at my data and the, the spreadsheets I've set up, set up to, to do all this for you, I can reasonably accurately project they're going to make me this much in return. But people don't think about it like that. Mm. So yeah, it's some of the key things that we're able to be so successful. So there's four different types of entrepreneurs. The first one is the visionary. So the visionary or the, the ideas person. So I'm that person. I've got a million ideas. I know what I want in 10 years. I'm going to create all this. The next person is like a lists person. They love lists. They like to integrate things. I like the systems. I like the details. I like the data. The next person is the hustler. The hustler just gets shit done. Roll up the sleeves, 
making things happen, doing the deals, just forcing sales. And then the last person is the skilled person, someone who just might have a really good, unique skill set. I'm curious to know because you're talking about finding the right business partner. Um, when I started to think about this, I was like, there's different types because I, I screwed up for a while. I was like, oh, I'm going to find, I really like this guy. They're the exact same as me. Then we start talking about ideas and that's all we fucking talk about, ideas. I'm like, well, who's going to implement the ideas? Well, not me. Some ideas too. <laughs> Fuck, you're the same as me, right? So based off those four, which one do you think you are and what was your business partner? I think we're all obviously, uh, we you're, you're definitely of, a, a of everything, of but number one, definitely visionary. Yeah. Um, not to say that George wasn't, but he, he probably would have been if, if I had to pick one, the hustler right. as well. But like he was really good with like, you know, learning the the more analytical side of things and managing the operations and the ad accounts and looking at the, the data and the numbers, whereas that was never going to be my strength. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's so good to have that complimentary. It I is. think like, you know, for people wanting to start to get into business, because I like the idea you're like, you got to have a business partner. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of that as well. So in our media company, we've got, there's three of us. And, um, but we've also sort of realized that me and my, my partner, partner, my girlfriend, we're pretty much the same. We're both ideas. So we'll get together and say, like, oh, this is this. I'm like, just, Let's just fucking implement the ideas that we talked about last week, right? And you have to continually um, pull it back. What I'm curious to know is so you've mentioned ADHD a few times. When did you find out? A few months ago. Okay. And, and I never thought, never thought I would have had it before then. Oh, really? Mm. How have you, because I'm curious to know this, because it's like it's a trend at the moment. Mm. It's like it's trending. Yeah. Um, and, and so I do want to sort of talk about it, because as an entrepreneur, I've never been tested. Mm but I'll bet my bank account that they'll, I'll smash the fucking scale. However, however they score it, mm. they'd be like, this guy's fucked, right? <laughs> but I, I would bet my bank got ADHD, right? So I'm glad I never, my parents never did it because I think if I grew up in our generation having that label, because I think back to school, anyone who had ADHD, we were like, oh, they were like 100%. more special, right? Now I understand it being like, it is my absolute superpower. Massively. I'm, I'm a spastic, right? I can do 14,000 things at once. And at least get them all to eighty percent as good. Mm -hmm. I can, I can just, I can just get so much done. I have so much energy and focus and creativity and all these things. But, and I'm not sure if I want to get tested because I don't really care if someone's like, oh, you do or you don't. But what I'm really getting fascinated lately on actually understanding it more, and because I'm seeing videos and I'm talking to other people, I think because it's in my reticular activating system now, and I'm meeting people like you, and I'm like, how are you, so? How are you managing? your ADHD tendencies, because sometimes we just want to, you got an idea, then you're on to the next thing and you forget this and this. Like, how do you sort of harness your energy and your focus and this just energy and outburst? How do you harness it and manage your time effectively to still be really productive? What's up, Dream Nation? Have you ever wondered how far ahead your life would have already been if you had got access to this type of content at a younger age? Look, this is why I need your help. I'm trying to build the number one personal development platform out there to teach you guys the tips, tricks, and attitude of what it takes to live your dream life and to bring the type of education that we all wish we had in school. This show only grows by word of mouth and new subscribers, so it would mean the world to me if you could smash that subscribe button right now, leave us a five-star written review or drop a comment below and share this episode with a friend. I would be forever grateful. All right, now let's get back into this episode. How do you sort of harness your energy and your focus and this just energy and outburst? How do you harness it and manage your time effectively to still be really productive? Yeah, well, like part of getting diagnosed officially wasn't about changing anything. It's just I wanted to know for sure out of curiosity, yep. right? But I, I'm, I'm the same as you. Like I would not change, would not give up the way my brain's wired for anything. I 
I would tell you, I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you a weird thing. I was a little bit upset when I found out um, I had ADHD, not because I had ADHD, because I thought, fuck, my brain's this epic just <laughs> because that's me. You know, I'm like, yeah. okay. And it explained a lot of that. And like, as you would know, like awareness is the first step to, I feel like just um, the way that the main thing it's changed and I, I haven't done a lot to change my beha- habits or behaviors. I, t- I tell you hundred percent I haven't because you know, my brain has done a lot of that subconsciously yeah. for me, but what it has done is it's allowed me to be less hard on myself when I'm having a bit of a, to- a day where, you know what, I've cleared my schedule to work on this one thing. And it just so happens that I'm sitting here right now and my brain wants to think about anything, but so I used to beat myself up on those days and fucking make myself sit there and do it. And like your quality of work and your output isn't, isn't great when you just don't want to be there. So I'll just be like, oh, fuck it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go do and, and follow, you know, where my brain does want to go. And, and, and that's, that's worked really well for me. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I asked you a question. question. <laughs> forgot about it now. No, I'll tell you. So the main no, yeah. thing, I'll tell you the main thing it is, is like, I was telling you the bis- a, bit, a little bit about this before I started recording and it's, it's, the main way that I manage it is, is, I, is I work with my brain, not against it. Yeah. I don't do, I, you know, delegate and hire people to do the jobs I don't want to do. I, you know, work with and partner with great. So Joe, as an example, is a really great integrator. Is about getting shit done as well. And he'll figure those little things out and he'll just go and do it. And that's a natural thing to, to him. So it's like what, being aware of what my strengths and what my weaknesses are. I know my strengths can supercharge anything, but my weaknesses, I'm not going to build my, beat myself up about that. I'm going to be, you know, give myself you know, the patience and understanding, but it's like, I've, I'm not like some schizo bouncing off walls. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's more subtle than that, but working with my brain and, and, and that's, a, that's a, another fuck thing about school is like, they try and make you learn all this fucking stuff that you don't care about. We'll never use instead of how about, why don't we find what these kids are really interested in and good at? And why don't we let them spend 80, 90% of the time doing that? And then they'll become yeah. fucking geniuses in that. Yeah. So trying to re set up my life to you know for pure enjoyment now there's a lot of hard work and sacrifice that, that's involved with starting a business so it's not like every day i'm just hanging out with mates and, and having fun but realistically i'm set up my life and my business that everything that i'm responsible for 80 to 90 percent of it i actually genuinely enjoy mm. so changing that around yeah, it was a big a big thing for me yeah it's um like what i've noticed is like i i would just get distracted all the time but with the school thing they're, te- they're, they're wanting us to I always did really bad in school. It was all the things I just wasn't interested in. But now if I'm interested in things, I'm a, I'm a psycho, just obsessed on it. And that and the thing I've seen was the most successful entrepreneurs in the world, they're mostly all got ADHD. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Um, and it, it actually, it's, it's only for the last year, because I legitimately have thought like for a while, I'm like, oh, I'm probably definitely like that. But I'm like, oh, it's cool. Mm. And I've always actually liked it. And I was like, isn't that great if you do have that this supercomputer in your brain? And I've just seen... Like, I think some people still look at it as a negative light. I'm like, bro, if you, like, I'd be, I'd be more upset if I didn't have it. Genuinely, that's, that's my truth, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and like I say, because I have no idea, but anyway, I'd bet my bank that I do. But Well, when I was, I was doing my research on you, and I'm like, yeah, I think you do. Sure, like, like I'm just, but it's just funny. And, and like, me and my girlfriend are talking about a lot about lately. I'm like, because I think we both fucking like it. Yeah. Because there's things that we both do. Like, fuck, that irritates me when you do that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, that's and then I'm like, I'm like, we both do similar things, but we do like different behaviors of like mm-hmm. symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's why it's funny. So when you leave just random shit all around the house, I'm like, that's so funny because that's what you do. And now I've sort of tried to control that part of me, but I'll also do it. But where I've really harnessed it, what's, what I've made work so good for me is I need to have a to-do list. I need to have a to-do list of what I'm doing that day. And then my brain will destroy that list. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just putting out all these things and I work through that. But if I put on deep focus music 
I put my phone on airplane mode and it's not near me, so I can't just quickly send a message on or check fucking shit on Instagram. The amount of I go into this like I can get what I can do in five hours, most people do in a week. Yep. And it's just I just get obsessed on that. And then I do hit this tank. It's like when the tank's empty, it's like I'm like but then I need to have something to turn my brain off then. So the thing for me, if we just watch a movie, my brain's actually off and I love it. It's like my bar, my brain is resting. But other than that movie, it's never off. Mm-hmm. So I've just had to learn how to go, how can I maximize all this just like energy that wants to go here and pull it and direct and focus it here. And then once I'm done, I have to turn my brain off. I watch a movie. Yeah. And this has been like a, a learning journey for me over the last, what, five and a half years or whatever it's been since I've been in business. I used to struggle to switch off on, you know, weekends if I'm having them off or at evenings. And that was a, a really hard process because as an entrepreneur and as an ambitious person, you always want to be thinking and what can I do and strategizing. But it's like if you don't give your brain the time yeah. to set off, like to switch off, relax and refresh, it's going to be a negative to you as well. And that's where it goes back to that weird way that my brain's programmed itself out of like self-protection. But also it's like I know – I, I have a, actually a pretty good ability to just switch off. Like I didn't think about work once over the weekend. I know that's an extreme example because I'm out in nature with all my friends, but I'm actually quite good and I have boundaries with my life now mm. that I'm, if, I'm, if I don't want to work on, on, on a Sunday, I'm not going to fucking work. Maybe Joe will message me, hey, I'm going to do this. I'll be like, I'll look at it tomorrow. Yeah. But it takes a bit of work and, 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 and stuff to get to that level. And another thing to what you just said, it's like the reason this wasn't picked up any earlier than me is because I was really good in school. Like – a little bit naughty in some classes, which was probably it coming up, but I you know, was always top of my classes or top couple. But because this like stigma is that ADHD is a bad thing, it yeah. only only the naughty disruptive kids get diagnosed. It's like if you Google ADHD, it's still the same shit. It's all negative symptoms, right? I would never read those and, and identify with that in any way. But if you go down the rabbit hole on you know Reels or TikTok and you see all the people that actually have ADHD talking about the pros and cons and what it really looks like and manifests in their life, you're like – okay, wow, like I can really actually relate to that and I can see all the fucking amazing benefits of it as well. Yeah. So I'm curious to know, so you explore this business. What, because one thing I learned early on in business from um, a billionaire mentor I used to have, he said to me, he's like, there's only two things that can really kill a business, not bringing enough sales and then bringing in too many sales. He's like, so you can grow too slow to kill a business or you can grow way too fast to grow a business. And so I'm curious to know what, what sort of challenges you guys face because you've had hyper growth, like explosive, 40 million in five years, 12 and a half million in your first year. And you guys are, I'm imagining you're spinning plates trying to keep them all up. To, what were some challenges you guys went through and, how, and what systems did you put in place to make sure you could actually continue this fast growth? Um, so where I was very lucky because I didn't have any of the experience to be able to do this alone now. As I mentioned, so George left after about the first year, right? So I needed to then hire someone to replace, you know, the more operational and finance side of things that George was handling. And I, I've told this story before, so I'll keep it short, but I went to show my cousin who's, as I said on your podcast, the person, the finance guy that I really looked up to. And I said, here's our numbers. This is, what I, this is kind of the rough JD of what I'm looking for. Help me, you know, structure this and, and, and put like a, a tie a little bit of equity into it to make sure it all makes sense. He looked at that and been like, and he saw the numbers. And I think like that was for the first time he realized how much money we're actually making. He's like, holy fucking shit. Like I can do this for you if you want. And I thought fucking oath, like that, that's a dream come true. So he did it. And we were lucky that we were, we were so profitable in, in our main markets, Australia, the US, and then to a lesser extent, Canada, New Zealand, that we had the margin to 
cop all the fuck ups that we were doing. So we did, we, we did scale too quick and that's why we scaled back a little bit after that first year. Like we were selling heaps in the UK and through Europe and not making any money of it because we weren't factoring in duties, taxes, shipping, all these a- additional things. And so, but when you're this young entrepreneur and you, you know, growing this like fucking hyper growing business, you just want to go more, more, more and, and move into all these markets without really considering all the things that come off the back of it. So having someone that had the experience to come in and look at the business and look at all the inefficiencies we were doing and where we we're wasting time and resources and money um, allowed us to get a lot more clarity on what we really, what our business really was and where we really wanted to have an impact and like kind of consolidating things, simplifying the process a little bit more and focusing on predominantly Australia and, and the US, obviously with NZ and Canada being tied to each of those markets as well to a, to a slightly lesser extent that, meant we could potentially sell less top line because we're, we just cut off like a couple, a few massive regions, but profit wise didn't, didn't change. Mm. And it actually allowed us to enjoy the process more because there was less work for the sake of, for the sake of it. Yeah. So then I know, so you then work with Gary V. Mm. So tell us first, what was the process of, so it sounds like you did something like intimate stuff with Gary, right? You don't just like go and hang out in his office, like some people do and get photos or whatever you actually learned quite a bit from Gary. So I'm curious to know how did that first come about? And then I want to really dive into some of the things you actually got from him to help scale this and sustain it more. Yeah, it's actually another, um, it's, a, it's a funny story. And it's like, thinking back, it, it just makes, it's like, it's just another period of my life that made me realize that life is just a game and like it's, it's unlimited. There's no, there's no ceiling to what you want to achieve and what you want to do. And it really made me this moment, this story, which I'll tell you really made me like, cause you talk about it yourself. Like there's, there's knowing and then there's whatever, what are the three stages of knowing that you speak about? Like embodying, knowing, understanding and embodying. So this is like, this was when well, I really dropped in deep in terms of the power of like visualization law of attraction and how much your, your dreams really can come true. Right. So it's a ra- random story. Gary came, to Sydney one year, like he, he does every year. I got the ticket, you know, this was like a few months after we launched, got the ticket, did the photo with him like everyone does. Um, and then sweet, go home. And then I get a call from the, the people that, that brought him out saying, hey, we're doing this dinner with Gary, a couple grand, do you want to do it? I was like, nah, why? Like, what, what am I going to do? I don't, I don't really care to that extent. Um, like, because I'm not really like a celebrity person be like, oh my God, you're this person. Um, so I didn't do it. But anyway, later throughout the year, I, I remember a couple of times thinking, fuck, why not? it was just a couple of grand. Why didn't I do it? Like, it just would have been a cool experience. And I'm all about like building my like life CV with all these amazing, cool experiences. And, and, the, and the thing that fucking excites me most is doing and having experiences that only a small percentage of the world get to have. Yeah. That I really lo- fucking that lights well. me up. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's like, cause like all these other, it's, it's obviously a cool thing, right? That's why it's hard to do. If these people can do it, why can't I? I want to fucking, I want to do that. Like we get one chance on this planet, like whatever you want to do, like why don't you do everything you fucking can to to live and experience that rather than just taking the easy path. But that's a whole other tangent. So the next year comes along and, and I saw, you know, all the ads for Gary V's coming back to Sydney and I wasn't going to go just to that event because I don't know, whatever. I wasn't going to the event, but I emailed the guy who, who called me up from, from the year before and I said, hey, are you doing a, a dinner with Gary this year? Um, I'm keen to do it. And he goes, well, funny you ask. We're actually not doing that, but Gary's doing this other thing. It's not really, it's not like a normal thing. It, there's a big process to be involved in it, but essentially Gary's got, for the first time going to test like doing like small group mentoring. And as you know, Gary, all he does is, you know, 
fucking half a million to go speak to 10,000 people. Does He never really does, apart from like these one-day workshops at VaynerMedia, which is mainly facilitated by this team. He's never done mm. like these intimate, you know, long amounts of time with, with small groups. He wants to test it. Um, and a big part of the group of people he wants to test it with is, is, is Australians for whatever reason, which you would know like, you know, Meta or Facebook, whenever they roll out a new feature and stuff, for whatever reason, Australia is the testing ground a lot of these countries want to look to before they implement it in the US. Obviously, similar values and stuff, but smaller market, easier to test. He said that, that there's several steps to being a part of this, um, but if you're interested, then here's the application. Like they sent me an application, put in all your details, who, who you are, what your business is, like some of your, your, your numbers and why you want to be part of it. So I did that. That's the first stage. That gets emailed to them. Like, is this a paid thing? Yeah, it was a paid yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But much less than what you think. What you think, <coughs> uh, or what? Like you hear people spending a hundred hundred thousand yeah, dollars for a meeting you, with someone. You think? Well, how long did you work with him for? Um, so there was, I think, three days in Sydney. Yeah, the first leg, three days in London, and then four days in New York. Anything else in between? Not nothing in between. But yeah. it's like from morning. So you'd probably, you'd probably think like twenty k at least for each of those things. Do, like you'd, so, I'd think in my head, there's got to be at least sixty grand. I do that whole thing. It's bro. It was from eight a.m. to fucking ten p.m. every night, and then yeah. like dinners going out. Like it's crazy. Um. So yeah, I did that obviously mainly because of my like, I was by far the youngest person there. So they see my they see my age. They see the industry ecom. Essentially, this kid's doing all this stuff Gary V talks about. So it's easy to get through. Second step: once it got approved by the people in Australia, then it gets put on to um, Gary V's team in in the US. Once they, then if they approve it, which they did, the next step is a phone call with Gary. So I remember I was in my office in Preston. This was when we were still out West. 10 in the morning, something like that. I get a, I get a call and I look at my phone and it's a US number. And I just like think, holy shit. Like I'm this kid from Western Sydney. A year ago, I didn't have a business. Now Gary V's calling me like, what the fuck is life? So, so I pick up, I pick up the phone to answer it. He goes, yo, what up Dylan? It's Gary V. And like, think about it. I've listened to this guy on a podcast yeah you know, hundreds and hundreds of times. And now he's calling me. That just goes to show the power of like fucking manifestation, visualization with like true fucking effort and energy into making it happen as well. Called me, had a 10 minute chat again because of probably my age and my industry and all the stuff we're talking about. He's like, yeah, dude, of course, like you, you got to be part of it. So that's how it happened. Did that, as I said, three days in Sydney, which is awesome. Three days in London. But where it was really cool and, and, and the last leg was New York and it was mainly done in his offices and Spent a lot of time there and dinners and wines. And it was the last night of the whole thing. And this is where it, was, where it, where it really, really fucking hit me. I was, was probably 10 of us in the room with Gary, right? We're just chatting at the end of the Maybe it was like 10.30 at night, 9.30 in the evening. Level fucking 40, whatever, 60, whatever, inside, like up in his offices in Manhattan. And Gary V's literally standing where you are and I'm standing here. And then I just looked, I stopped looking and like whatever he was saying, whatever everyone's saying went quiet. And like, I yeah. I didn't hear what it was going around and time stood still. And I just fucking realized I looked out at like the New York city skyline and I realized, holy fucking shit, man. I'm this kid from Western Sydney that, as I said, a year and a half ago, didn't have a business, was listening to Gary Vee on a podcast on a train to my corporate job, which I hated. I then come across visualization, the law of attraction, realize that, Hey, if you fucking really believe these things and embody them and, and experience them in your mind and you actually put the action off the back of that to make it happen, I went from Western Sydney to New York City in a year and a half with Gary V. Millions of dollars in my bank account from thousands. Yeah. It's, it's wild. There's countless times I could say, like, I get the moment where you're like, it's just blocked out. And it's, it's countless times I've had that as well where I've just been like, where I am. And, and there's actually a saying, it's like, 
the place you are right now is exactly where you wish you were five years ago. So five years ago, you were dreaming about being where you are right now. And the thing about that perspective is a lot of people take now for granted and they, and especially as high achievers, we always want to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep moving the goalpost. And it's very important to actually come back to now and be like, fuck, you know, the life I have right now, I was dreaming about having that five years ago and I've got it. You know, so it's, it's, I'm all over the shit you're talking about manifestation. What I'm curious to know, so you spent, so three days here, three years in London, what would, and, and the main thing I'm assuming is just like high level business masterminding. What were some of the biggest things you took from him, but he said that just that you could say that thing or these things when I applied it absolutely changed my business. Um, there was a lot enough. I've got to actually, I've got to back at my parents' house. I've got a notebook. I want to get out and, and, and take some photos and put some content up around it. There's heap. There was fucking so much, but I, I, I'll tell you the main ones that I really took away from it was there was the whole, his content strategy. This was really early on before like the homozies of the world were popping off. This is like what? 20, 2019, right? Before, so like the way he, 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 he set up this whole massive content funnel and process off the back of a hero piece of content. That was massive. Um, but really, truly, I'm telling you, like, and, and people will be like, no, if you're, you need to get these real tangible things and take that away. But you know what Gary Vee's like, it's all like candid conversation. It wasn't structured presentation. We're just chatting back and forth with him all day for fucking 12 hours a day. And it was really just being surrounded by him. He brought in like Jesse Itzler, brought in Tom Bilyeu, brought in all these other people to, you know, have dinners with us and talk with us. It was just for the first time. As I said, I was this kid from Western Sydney that yeah, had a really good idea, started a company and made a couple million dollars, like took a profit really, really quickly. Um, now I'm sitting in these in, in a room with people that have been in business for decades and decades and hearing their war stories and experiences and what they did and, and their tough times and their good times. And it was like, it goes back to what we were speaking about earlier on, like the power of the environment. Like I just realized my, my perception of business and the levels at which you can play it completely changed completely. So it's like, I was thinking in this very narrow e-com bubble scaling ads and more influences and new products. And it took me out beyond all of that since I realized e-com is just my vehicle uh, and, and it really is a good and powerful vehicle, particularly for beginners because the barrier to entry is so low, but it made me realize like the moves that I can make when, I, if I think five, 10 years in advance rather than two, three, four months in advance. On the manifestation thing, what is your process? Do you have a process? Do you have a system of like, cause it sounds like you've created some badass shit from figuring out the law of attraction things. Mm -hmm. What is your actual process of manifestation? Yeah, so th this is the way I visualize. And I don't know if anyone's made like, this is the fucking way you visualize a process. It's all bullshit. It's like, what what works for you personally? And, and this is the way I did it. I did it because it's the way I fucking enjoyed it. And I would do it naturally and subconsciously. But in doing it this way, I went so deep and got so clear on all the moments, all the step of the way. And I felt those fucking emotions so, so fucking clearly. So let's just say, because we're on the topic. And again, I'm not some Gary V fucking, you know, Oh my God, he's what he was just that person for me earlier on. But let's just say back when I started the business, if I had a goal, I wanted to be on a podcast with Gary V. Right? Most people, if that was a goal, right? To be on a podcast with Gary V, they would visualize being on a podcast with Gary V. But for me, because maybe I'm a little bit, you know, more realistic and I want to understand the process of getting there, instead of just visualizing that end goal. I would think, okay, what are fucking 10 steps between where I am now and that goal? And I'd get really clear on what those 10 moments were. 
And then I would live out the experiences in my mind. And it didn't have to be sitting in my dark room with my eyes closed. I could be driving. I could be running. I could be, could be doing anything. could be on the train. And for each of those 10 events that happened that lead up to this big grand goal, I will spend an hour visualizing that entire day. Mm. Waking up in the morning, what I wore, how I got there, who I met at the beginning, then what happened later, the main event, what we do after, is it drinks after, who am I meeting, who am I going out with after? And I did all this, not because that's the way, but because I fucking really enjoyed it. I'm living out, I'm time traveling in these moments. I'm living out, I'm experiencing the future and it feels fucking good. And what I was doing that I didn't really know and understand, it's like I'm tying my, I, I'm creating this belief. I've seen it so clearly. I've already experienced it. So my body knows it's already coming in it and it's ready for that. And because I experienced the emotions so deeply, like I'd have tears running out of my eyes. Sometimes I'd feel so fucking good. I would then, when I stopped the visualization and I wouldn't like, I would continue on this for fucking, you know, hours sometimes. And then when I'd stop, how can you not be fucking fired up and ready to put the work in when you've just done that? And then like, as I said, it would all continue. So there'd be the first event, then the next time in my car, I have a long drive, it's the next event. And just living out that I'm fucking tying so much emotion into it and I'm seeing it so clearly that the power of the universe and the law of energetics and, and just how much it motivates you as well. And you're, you're breaking down all these limiting beliefs because you're seeing yourself, you're visualizing yourself acting and behaving in these ways. It just becomes this fucking tidal wave that propels you forward. So I did that, you know, 10 steps of the way until the big goal. And by the end, by the time you get there, you feel satisfied with that. You, you don't need to sit with anymore. Okay, what's another fucking massive goal I have? And repeat the process. So they've done studies on this as well. And they got three groups of basketballers. And the first group of basketballers, they said to them, you guys are going to go out on the court today and do eight hours of perfect three throw throws, throws, right? The next group, they said, you guys take the day off, go home. And the third group, they gave them blindfolds and said, you guys sit on the side of the court, blindfold, and I want you to visualize shooting perfect three throws all day long. The first group, they retested them about a month later. The first group improved something like 80%. Second group improved nothing. They did fuck all. But the third group that did nothing other than sit and visualize it improved about 63%. Huge. Not as much as people who actually did it. But not much less. But not much less. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just, it's, it's so crazy because like we, our unconscious mind has no idea what the difference is between what's real and what's fake. And if we can actually rehearse something in our brain, then it feels familiar. It's like a familiar memory of the past. So our body then knows how to actually do it. And if we're talking about energetics and attracting things to us, it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So like this is also the same thing when I go skydiving, I, I, uh, I will visualize. So when I jump out of the airplane, when I first started to learn this, like people would freak themselves out thinking about, like, oh, I've got to open my parachute. And I'm like, the only thing I'm focused on doing when I'm in the plane is visualizing the perfect exit out of the plane. Because if I fuck that up, the rest is going to be hard too. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just going to visualize jumping out and down to get to the perfect surface straight away. I'm, like, I'm just going to visualize perfect exit. Perfect. And that's all I do. So then when I get to the door, I'm calm. And I'm like, oh, just do it. I can literally, then it's like a jumping into where I've already rehearsed in my head. So you're definitely the first person I've talked to who's created huge success because they just visualize. It's, it's one of the most important things. Mm. So why do you skydive? I've never understood that. Have you ever been? No. It's fun as fuck. Come I'm not keen. You're not keen? No. I'll tell you why. Just give it one go. I'll tell you why. Why? This is my reasoning. And I, I know it's going to be fine, but it's like, I, I'm, I'm so happy with life already. I'm so excited by all the things I want to achieve. 
even yeah. if it's a small risk, why would I risk my life for something I don't care anything about? Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I guess it's it's kind of like do it one time and then you've got more data to make an actual educated decision if you like it or not yeah. versus making an assumption. Because, I don't know, I get to the end of my life and I just want to make sure that I'm certain on as much things as yeah, I can be. Yeah. I want to be certain that, well, I, I know for damn sure that I don't like pumpkin soup. <laughs> Fucking tried it and I'm done with that now. But I'll try everything. I just want to try things to be like, because you just don't actually know if, oh, actually I do kind of like that. And and so skydiving for me, I just, I did it years ago as a tandem because I just, I like thrills and all that. I yeah. did it. I was like, this is pretty fun. And I just always had the idea, like how badass would it be to just throw stuff out of an airplane with nothing but a backpack? And um, so I went and started doing it at the start of this year. And it, it was a, the best personal development event I've ever done. Wow. The first two cool. days was just nuts of developing and really getting clear on my own self-trust because that's what it was. Like there was so much fear to actually jump out. And I'm like, what are you really afraid of? Like, so you bungee jumped, you've done this before. What's going on? And the answer was, well, what if you don't open the parachute? And I'm thinking, well, why the fuck would I open the parachute? But I'm having a conversation with myself. Be like, well, I don't know why you wouldn't do it, but what if you don't? Mm. And then it was... So you don't trust yourself in the midst of chaos. I'm like, dang. So then I did it to prove to myself, I'm like, I can do it. Mm. And I want to be able to stay, stay calm, make effective decisions while falling to my fucking death. And then I'm just absolutely addicted. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. It's just super fun. So I, I recommend it. Like, the one, it, it, is, it is extremely safe. It's more dangerous to drive your fucking car, mm. especially if you go tandem. It's just... You know, it's it's the whole idea. This could kill me. Not really. Like if it's actually nearly impossible for for you to die, especially tandem. Mm. It's like you've got to be one of the absolute unluckiest people in the world for like. There's only really like one way that you can really fuck up parachuting. Is if both your parachutes open at the same time, they tangle, then mm. you're fucked. But it's like it's just not a thing. Yeah. Even though there's stories, didn't you interview someone? I love shark you? attack. Ah. Uh, they're, well, they're, maybe someone interviewed someone whose parachute didn't open, but I had a shot. There, there was someone who, who she just wrote a book about and stuff where she's like, what happened was she was tandem jumping and for whatever reason, her instructor jumped out without the alti, without the altitude meter, so you couldn't actually see which depth he was at, which is, see what I mean? It's like, I don't know if you ever, have you, do you scuba dive? No. no. Same with scuba diving, like things can go wrong too, but like for things to go wrong, you've just got to fuck up a few things and be stupid. So, you know, same with driving a car. If you drive a car normally, chances of you getting in a car accident going to kill you is just very unlucky mm. where somebody would be like, wow, what an unlucky person. But if you could drive like an idiot and not wear a seatbelt and double the speed limit, then you're asking for things. You know what I mean? Mm. So he jumped out without altitude. He had no idea where he's at. Then at the exact same time he pulled the parachute, his emergency parachute popped because it'll automatically deploy when you're at 750 feet from the ground. And if you're falling at a certain speed, so it knows you're unconscious because it knows, fuck, you're getting close and you're falling fast. I'm going to do it for you. Wow. So it'll always, it'll save your life, probably break your legs, but it'll save your life. But he pulled it at the same time, so both came out. And then they fell and uh, she somehow like survived this whole thing. Wow. Um, mental story. But um, but like I said, I look back and I'm like, well, it's human error. It could have been avoided just by, you know, so don't let that stop you. Go yeah. skydiving. Yeah, look, no, I, I would probably enjoy it. It's not like I have a big fear of heights or anything, but like I said before, like I get my th fucking thrills from doing other epic shit like, yeah. that I feel like is in alignment with me. What I want to do like Everest Base Camp track and Machu yeah. Picchu and Antarctica and 
I want to do a lot of cool adventure stuff like that as well. Yeah. So. One of the last things I want to ask you, one thing I've really gotten from you is you've got a mindset that you can do anything, you can go after it, you can accomplish it. It's very growth-minded. And I've, I think the one thing that stops a lot of people before even they get started is being fixed-minded. They just believe, like, our beliefs control our behaviours. And if they believe that, like, a, a super fixed-minded person will think, what's the point of even trying? Because I just am who I am. I can't ever change. But a growth-minded person is like, I can continually change and transform if, I, if I'm willing to put in the work. It's sort of the other end of the spectrum. So for the people out there who may be having some fixed way of thinking still time, sometimes, how can they really develop a growth-minded way of thinking like you have? It's, it's an interesting question, man. And, and I remember the moment that I adopted a growth mindset. And I, I feel like, again, I'm not a good example for a lot of things because my brain works in, in, in different ways, right? But for me, it was just a realization. And I'll tell you when I, re when I really adopted a growth mindset. As I said, I was pretty smart in school. I was often like, if not top of the class, second, third at worst. I was good at sport and I, you know, did for how I wasn't like the best looking kid, but I always did okay with girls. So I was like re relatively confident, right? But then I had a lot of negative things about my personality where I was impatient, selfish to an extent. And I don't mean selfish like I'll do things to hurt other people, just like self-centered and caring for your own needs first because of, you know, we all have our different things. And I remember, I remember um, thinking that, you know, I'm good at all these things I'm not so good at these other things. It doesn't matter that I'm not good at those other things because I'm good at all these other things, right? And then it, for some reason, it was just, I had that thought one day and it made me realize that is such a fucking limited way to think. It's such a closed off way to think. Who, who do you like, because you think, what, what type of person do I want to be? Because I always, I always do that, like similar to what you were saying before. So I really love something Matthew McConaughey says, my hero is me 10 years from now. Mm. I think about what sort of person do I want to be in 10 years? Like, Think about this. And, and to me, these thoughts were enough to change my perspective. So maybe there, there will be some people out here that are relate. Think about where you are now and who you are, what you do for work, what your morning routine is, who you hang out with, what your thoughts are, what your behaviours are, how you react to stress, how you react to different situations. Think of that. Then visualise yourself 10 years from now. If, if like you said, if, if there were no limits, you could be whoever you want, behave however you want. Um, be doing whatever you want for work and being that fulfilled person and you get that picture really clear and then you've got a really clear picture of where you are now that gap in between that's that's the roadmap okay how does that person behave what's their morning routine okay well they would wake up and that and then they would read first and they'll do some stretching or meditation well what do i do i wake up as late as i can um i quickly get ready have a coffee in the car go to work and eat breakfast well is that really the type of behaviors that are going to lead me to being this person no it's not all the differences between your behaviors and, and the behaviors of the person or who you want to be that's giving you the answers of what you need to change in your life so for me it was that realizing that me as this limited person i'm not really the person that if i look if i get to you know well my deathbed and look back at uh who i am and how i behaved am i really going to be proud of that and i think that's a question a lot of people can ask yourself the way you're behaving if you just carry on this trajectory match that up to where you would really want life to be and see how big that gap is would you be proud if you stay on this trajectory no no if, if the answer is no then fucking make a change mm. make a change people make up all these fucking excuses i can't because of xyz i've got this limiting belief because of that and and i know that's that really exists but at the end of the day you're in control what do you fucking want where do you want to go with your life and do it like people come up with all these excuses why they can't and why not. And I know, you know, I'm one person and one example, but like really like to me, sometimes I struggle to understand, do you just, do people, some people not want it enough? 
Like, if you really want it, and I know it can be scary and uncomfortable at the start, but model it off other people who have lived the life that you want to live. Watch the interviews they've done, read their books, listen to podcasts they've done. Like, it's not that hard. It's the scary part is starting. The scary part is doing something different because it does feel uncomfortable. Then maybe at that point, like you, you speak about so often, you need to surround yourself with people who are making those positive changes in their lives, right? That are growth-minded. Like if you hang around with people and they're talking about what books they read, what podcasts they read, what training they did for their morning routine or stretching or whatever, if you hang around enough people that doing that, and for me it was podcasts. Podcasts and books changed, rewired the way I thought. So it's just about, you know, changing the information you put into your brain because if you start putting enough good information into your brain, you're eventually going to start fucking believing that. When you just listen to what your teacher said at school and what your parents said and how you're brought up, it's going to take you down the path that they went on. But if you want to just get clear on where you want to go and plug that information into your head that's, going to, that's from people that are living that life, I really do feel like it'll figure itself out. Dude, this has been good. Where can everybody find you on social media? Um, yes, yeah, so the main one is Instagram, just Dylan Mullen. Um, that's probably the main place. TikTok, Joe's, you know, we've got a whole plan for TikTok and YouTube coming soon. But yeah, just on Instagram, at Dylan Mullen, and the podcast is Life, Money, and Love, which you'll see your face popping up on yeah. the next week or two anyway. So yeah, those are the two best places. Then viralbrandbuilder.com for anything e-com related, obviously see, see kind of the system and framework for using e-com as the vehicle to change your life. And I love that you're about that, like finding your vehicle. Yeah. E-com is just my vehicle. It's yeah. not my forever. It's to get me to this position and then – you know, once you've made a little bit of money, you've got that freedom back in your life, then you can put, you know, the next level of life into uh, the, the plan for the next level of life into action. And it's just about fucking one step ahead at a time. And I really do believe that if you get out of your own way and you really truly believe it, that your dreams can come true and you have a plan, you don't have to have all the details figured out. But if you have a plan and you start trying and learning from your failures, it's just genuinely a matter of time until you're living the life of your dreams. Love it, man. I've got a final question. Are you ready? I'm ready. If you were to go back to your 18-year-old self and give him 30 seconds of advice, what would it be? That's a really fucking good question. You know, the cliche is to say nothing, you know, because I, I am who I am today. But what I would really say, and, and I would be really interested to, to see how far ahead I am now, I'd say don't go to fucking uni. Don't do acting. Um, read, all, read XYZ books. Listen to all these podcasts. Look into e-commerce. Look into... Um, business, like you don't need, all you're going through, all that stuff is all bullshit. It's all a waste of time. Everyone says the best part about uni or that experience is, you know, I'm going to parties and hanging out people. No, if I cut all that shit out, I would cut it out. I would level myself up and get myself onto that growth mindset sooner. Uh, all I would say is listen to XYZ things. This is the path you should go down and follow that. Thank you so much for listening. And if you got value from this episode, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 20 seconds of your time, leave me a five-star rating and written review, then screenshot this episode and share it to your story. And make sure you tag me for that shout out. And until next time, guys, go out there and dream out loud.